friends and family and listeners and pets and plants and I, lovers from everywhere. <laughs> I just had the visual of a little like hamster listening in on our podcast. <laughs> well, if I was a hamster, I would totally love listening to our podcast. <laughs> what if there's like a whole hamster collection somewhere and they're all just fans of our podcast? <laughs> that would bring me ultimate joy. Maybe that's why here in Bali, so many animals want to come into our apartment. You guys, so we're here in Bali and all week long, whenever there's an animal, because there are lots of them, I like to say, I am one with the monkey. <laughs> and while they're jumping all over Kristen, I mean, I've never seen monkeys just spontaneously jump through the air to land on Kristen's head. At one point, I think there was three monkeys on you. And, you know, there have been geckos, there have been elephants, there have been ants biting there have been bugs doing things all over yesterday but, wait we saw a mouse run through the oh, rafters of a restaurant i i want to say mouse is the polite way of saying rat yes <laughs> it was definitely rat. i was like it's ratatouille <laughs> so the, the paradox or the just the the spectrum of life is that Kristen actually is like fearless in the face of all of these things and i just run away <laughs> <laughs> but it's so good to know and be in partnership because we can trade uh, different times to be strong and different times to be vulnerable. One of my favorites was there was a giant lizard. I mean, giant. when I say giant, he was like at least bigger than my hand. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was like pretty uh, big boy compared to the little baby ones you see running around all the time. And I looked at the window and I was like, wait, is that on the inside or the outside? And I took one baby step closer and was like, definitely inside, and jumped on the couch. And then cut to <laughs> Kristen and our other lovely friend, Karen, who's here with us, who were getting a, like, a contraption made to safely get the lizard outside while I was just standing on the couch in fear. It was so good, though. I felt so confident and like a superwoman. You gave me the opportunity to like, use my talents. Oh, um, so many lessons from Bali. So many lessons. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, today we are doing kind of a, a commemorative podcast for our dear Ramdas. Mm. Uh, but before we jump into talking about Ramdas and what we've learned from him and honoring his life and his work, we just wanted to tell you a little bit of the fun things we have for 2020 because this is our first podcast of 2020, isn't it? Wow, it really is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've been doing so much soul time and so much sister time and so mm-hmm. much deep diving into meditation and a lot of uh, opening here in Bali. So it's been actually really incredible for us to take some time away, to take some time together, to take some one-on-one time, to dive really, really deep at the end of the year and the beginning of the new year. And something that came up really strong on our hearts was to bring Ramdas and his teachings that have inspired us through the years as we usher into this new moment with his energy having transformed. And I do think he was one of the few people that was fearless in the face of death and mm-hmm. understanding of it as a transition. And likewise, the end of a year, the end of a decade, the moving into a new year is also a transition and there is a way for us to move gracefully through transitions and so some of what we've been incorporating in our own lives we're so excited to bring you in this new year this new decade because we have moved through some of our own transitions in a way that we can now powerfully bring it back Yes, and I think that's like the fun of the sharing is they talk about in the hero's journey is you go through a a process where truth 
becomes known to you, and it's like almost a truth that we have forgotten that becomes comes known, and then we take it into life. And then once we have gone through the process of using that new truth in life, then the next step is to bring it to the community. Mm. So one of the things that I'm doing is I'm doing this retreat in Joshua Tree that's at the top of February, but it really comes from uh, a deep process that occurred for me in 2019 about learning how to work with my own energy and the energy of source in a different way that uh, it was like life was teaching me all year long there's another way of working there's another way of being in the world and we would like you to open so that you can work in a way that is more free so I'm excited to bring this energy work to artists to free them around their creative process because really my biggest desire in the world is that artists feel free and unencumbered and can do their work with ease and joy because we want the Dharma on the planet. Mm, That's beautiful. So what are the dates of that event? It's January 31st to February 2nd. So it's really soon. It's coming right up here. And I think I have like two spots left. Amazing. And that's in Joshua Tree. That's exactly right. So anyone who's listening in the LA, San Diego, San Francisco area, or anyone in New York who really just doesn't want winter for yes. a little minute um you can email Kristen for uh-huh, more of yeah. those details at hangylove uh, at gmail.com hangylove at gmail.com that sounds like a lovely place to email <laughs> so fun <laughs> and you have some classes I have up. a couple of things right. coming up on so, January 25th it's a Saturday I'm doing a one day all day acting play shop and it's just an opportunity to get in the room to stretch those muscles kind of before pilot season before you know episodic season to just after having had some time away to get back into a room, but to do it from a place of fun, from a place of joy, from a place of just exploring what's inside of me that wants to awaken this year, what's inside of my artist that hasn't been awakened yet, that wants to play, that wants to jump out of me and surprise me. So I'm really excited. It's going to be an all day thing. I'm keeping the class number pretty small. So Um, so that's really what I'm excited to offer on this big one day extravaganza. And then coming up in March, right after my birthday, I'm going to be teaching a beautiful new class called Melt the Resistance. Mm. And there's been an inspiration coming to me about being the candle and uh, what wants to melt away in our lives as we shine our light brighter. But also I've been doing a lot of shadow work and really trying to understand what the sadness, what the anger, what the rage, what what all of those unloved parts of ourselves really want to teach us mm-hmm. and how all of those parts of ourselves that we're rejecting about ourselves, how we don't feel good about ourselves is actually unconsciously running our life because we're overcompensating with a confidence that's not true mm-hmm. or we're walking into rooms trying to show our best self. But what happens when we really love and integrate the parts of ourselves that we don't like and that we want to judge? So as I've been doing this work on myself, I've had a really big dismantling and I've seen some really big shifts in the auditions I'm doing and the relationships I'm having and the conversations I'm having and the way I'm able to show up and there's just a really big perspective shift that's possible that I'm getting really really excited about so this class isn't just for actors this class is for anybody like any human being on the planet that wants to integrate the unloved or resisted parts of themselves I'm really excited about it it's an eight-week class and it starts March 12th 
and I just can't wait to share it. Like I said, it's the first time I'm sharing this material because it's just been coming in so strongly the last few months. And if you're interested in that or in my acting class, you can email me, natalielynroy at gmail.com. Natalie and then L-Y-N-N, Roy, R-O-Y. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited. Oh man, I'm excited for the people that get to go through that process with you, and I know it's going to be life changing for yeah. this. And just like a little tiny bit on Ram Dass for those of you who are like, uh, maybe I've heard of him, but I don't really know who he is. Oh, he's a Harvard professor, and he talks about how he was so in the world of academia and intelligence and all of these things. And when he was at Harvard, he met Timothy Leary, who was really interested in doing experiments on LSD. So they did these experiments on college students who would volunteer for them uh, to give them LSD and found through these uh, uh, doing psychedelics that they would find freedom and kind of like a pathway to the divine. So through LSD is how Ram Dass at the time started to become free mm-hmm. and seeing all of his ego trappings. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, eventually Harvard does not is not too happy about this, nor is the government uh, for that matter. And they were total rebels who kind of got in trouble. And you can look, there's a new um, documentary about Ram Dass called uh, Becoming Nobody that we'll t- talk about him. And I think there's another one on Netflix too that talks about his story. Um, but eventually... Ram Dass goes to India where he meets his guru. He falls in love and is like, this is the biggest presence of love I've ever been around. And at that moment is like, well, I am finding that I am getting free and getting high through these spiritual practices. I don't even need the LSD. I, I want what this guy has and commits to studying with him. And that's where he gets uh, the name Ram Dass. And then eventually after his years of studying there, he comes back to the West, he comes back to America and brings these teachings of his guru um, to us and his seminal work Be Here Now was like the the way that a lot of people got introduced to these Eastern concepts in a new way. And that's one of the things that makes him and some of the others like Yogananda so profound for us in the Western world because how easy would it have been to fall so deeply in love with your guru, to feel into the space of unconditional love, and to spend every day of your life in sacred listening and community and love and live your life from that space? <laughs> like, that feels like heaven. Uh-huh. And yet there was the call in him to leave the nest, to leave the sanctuary, and bring these teachings back to the West kind of knowing that you'd probably get crucified for it or or people maybe wouldn't be ready to hear these messages or n- kind of knowing you're walking into a battlefield potentially but the calling to bring the tools back is so pure and so strong and sometimes I think that about artists too that we have these this empathetic lived experience where we feel things on such a deep level but we're brave enough to not only feel it that we're brave enough to then bring it into storytelling and bring it back to the world at large. And I think that it's really the bravest thing. But when you find your own spiritual path or you find something that works for you and then you're brave enough to leave the nest of the safety of it and go back into the trenches to to work with everyone else to, to help share it. Yeah, and that takes a kind of bravery to say, I'm going to take what is inside of me, what is most pure and most 
uh, burning inside of me, and I'm going to take bring it to the world. And that's our favorite quote of his: uh, "We're all just walking each other home." Yeah. But that's the point. We 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 come back to the person at the end of the line and say, "Hey, come, come on, come on, walk with me." And know that at some point we're going to become unconscious again and need someone else to walk us home, yeah. and that we just keep doing for doing it for each other over and over again. Okay, so I, what we're going to do is we are going to. Uh, go through some Ram Dass quotes and then just jam on what they mean to us. Mm. Yeah, so this is kind of like some of our favorite teachings. Mm. There's this thing that Kristen and I have talked about before about kind of the, the chitta, the screen of the ego, the screen of the mind. That's the, the thing that all the mud and the dirt gets on when life happens to you. You know, it's like someone makes fun of you, someone steals your lunch on the playground, someone says you're not good enough, someone says you're too fat or you're too old, or, and all of those things is like people having, people or situations or life having thrown mud on the, the screen between your spirit and your humanity. And so something we always like to say is, you know, just get out the Windex and just polish that, polish that off so that your Perugia, your light inside of you can shine through. And so it was awesome for me when uh, Ram Dass's book came out, Polishing the Mirror, and it was really about that. It was really about just just keep on polishing, just keep on clearing off so that you can see yourself as you really are because you are not your conditioning. You are not your small self. You are not the things that people told you you are. You are something so pure and magnetic and magnanimous that you don't even know. And so you just got to keep on polishing all the things away that aren't you so you can really get to the miracle that you are alive and breathing and given these gifts and talents and you don't even know how great you are. You don't even know what a miracle you are. That's mm, so true. Mm. And that it is our opportunity to dismantle those thought forms that get stuck on us, those things that get on the mirror, that, that we can either cling to these false identities or we can uh, take the time and the presence to see that they are just stories that we've adopted, mm-hmm. that there are things that are just stuck on, and that as we can let go and we can surrender those so that we can know ourselves as we truly are. Yeah. So here is the first quote. Um, Ram Dass said, the freer I get, the higher I go. The higher I go, the more I see. The more I see, the less I know. The less I know, the more I'm free. Mm. It's like a Cohen. Yeah. Isn't that good? Yeah. I love that it's all about setting ourselves free. And I think that so much of Ram Dass's teaching was just setting yourself free from competition. Set yourself free from thinking you have to achieve anything. Yeah. Set yourself free from the idea that there's an original sin that you have to correct somehow. I think so much of what he spoke about, about of freedom, was just knowing that that you are already divine and that you came here as this beautiful, incredible expression of creative force energy, of love. And so setting yourself free from anything that would tell you that you're not that, from any lie that would tell you that you're something other than this beautiful, perfect creature 
that is here to express its love. And so I love that as you get freer of that, you get to rise higher. You get to know yourself as more of that. You get to know yourself as more divine. And then the higher you go, the more you see. So the more you see of, oh, I could also dismantle this, or I could also let go of this limiting belief, or, oh, I had this potential inside of me that I didn't know. I can create this. I didn't know I could create this on the planet. And then the more you see as possible, the less you know. Mm -hmm. Like, whoa, it's so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than what my mind can comprehend. And so then as you surrender and say, I don't have to be the knower or the doer. I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to use my mind. Then as you surrender to that, you're free. You're free to be one with something that is infinite, that has more creative source energy, that has more pathways than you can think of, that has the way to get the money for the project, that has the way to find that true love, that has the way to make all those dreams come true because it's not using the mind or it's not using an overcoming of limits to get there. Yes. And I love that this takes us into surrendering to the fact that I don't know and that there's an intelligence that's beyond me that knows what's going on. Whoo! Well, there's my liberation. Once I surrender to the fact that there is this cosmic consciousness that is intelligent and so much more intelligent than my mind can wrap around, then when I surrender into that force, now I create space inside of me for that force to, to come through me. So his whole thing about let me, I, I spent my whole life becoming somebody and now the spiritual process is becoming nobody. Yeah. It's a dropping away. It's a melting, if you will. It's a relaxation relaxation so that a divine energy can do what it wants to do and the liberation is that we actually get to the place where we we can know less we can do less and in our beingness is when inspiration divine life force energy can do what it wants to do us. That's it. And I feel like so many people I've talked to, so many artists, so many people who have something they want to create will come up against, but I don't, I don't have enough years under my belt to create this, or I don't have enough intellect to create this, or I should just keep on taking classes for a while. And, uh, you know, one thing we've talked about on the podcast all the time is just like, you don't have to be the one who knows anything. No. And, and the universe will give you the one next step and... We've been talking about this a lot. If I had known we're here in Bali with uh, two new friends that are more Mm -hmm. recent friends, and we were just kind of laughing with one of those friends last night saying, can you imagine if, you know, when the day we first met, like, you know, however many months ago, if you had flashed to we're all going to be traveling in Bali together and having really deep spiritual experiences (laughs) together. And it's like, no, I would have never thought that was possible. And I would have been intimidated by it. And I would have thought it was weird. And I probably would have said no to going on the trip. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we only get revealed like the one next step. And if you have the idea and inspiration, if the book comes to you, if the movie idea comes to you, if wanting to be an actor comes to you, if wanting to be a mother comes to you, then that means you have it already inside you, the talent, the idea. It was given to you because it's yours. It's meant for you. And you don't have to be good enough to do it. The fact that it was given to you means that you're perfectly designed for Mm. it. And so there's that really awesome thing about you don't have to know anything. All you have to know is that you've been given a gift. 
And so you say thank you and you say show me. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. So the next, you want to read the next quote? Yeah. Souls love. That's what souls do. Egos don't, but souls do. Become a soul, look around, and you'll be amazed. All the beings around you are souls. Be one, see one. When many people have this heart connection, then we will know that we are all one. We human beings all over the planet, we will be one, one love. And don't leave out the animals, and the trees, and the clouds, and the galaxies. It's all one. It's one energy. I love this so much. It's like when we were we worked with this great energy healer here in Bali, and as she was speaking, it's like my soul started vibrating so high because of the potency of the truth that she was speaking. Yeah. The same thing happens when we're in nature. When we're in nature and we, um, we can feel the energy inside of a tree, when we are, you're petting um, your favorite animal and you can feel the love inside of it, there is a place where we start to dissolve. When the thinking mind starts to drop and we go into our expansive heart energy and we can actually feel our connection to all that is. And it's something that I love to do in meditation is actually feel my internal connection with the entire world. Any system that is designed to bring community can also bring separation. Mm -hmm. So you think about something like Facebook. Facebook is actually in its design, designed so people can have more connection, right? So someone who I went to school with in grade three, I can connect with them and say, oh my God, you have kids. What's going on with your life? How cool. And we can connect to one another. But in the same place that there's a fertile ground for connection, that is also the exact same place where there's a fertile ground for separation. Well, that person's life looks better than mine or, you know, I, I love that person. Oh, my ex, they're with someone now. Ah, you know, I'm going to go pain shopping and see how happy they are with someone else who's not me. And so in the same place where there's a fertile ground for connection, there's always the ground for separation in the audition waiting room, in in your family, right? Like you're given this family, you have the same blood coursing through your veins as them. And there's this feeling inside of that of like, we are so connected. And sometimes all I want to do is be apart from you and make you wrong and make you the cause of my suffering. So at any given moment, I love this thing of the soul will love and the ego cannot. Mm -hmm. So if I find myself in separation, if I find myself in resentment, in jealousy, in competition, I've left the seat of soul and moved into ego. And there's nothing wrong with it. It is a human thing. But the, the noticing of that is the opportunity to say, oh, I left. I left a place that would feel better that's always available. And I can notice myself when I feel resentful and I feel jealous I can notice that it doesn't feel good. Yeah. But when I'm hugging that tree or when I'm looking in the eyes of someone and giving unconditional love, I can notice how much better I feel. And it's not anything other than activating something internal in me that is always available. Because the soul is really the only thing that's going on. Everything else is illusion. And that's why I think Ram Dass had such an easy, open hand with transitioning and with being a human being because it's just an outfit we're putting on. And the soul is the real thing that's happening. Well, one of the things I love that Ram Dass used to say is suffering is grace. So whenever we find ourselves in suffering, instead of 
bemoaning our fate or making a story that, oh, I shouldn't be here in suffering. And the suffering has come as a messenger to deliver us back to the truth of our soul. Yeah, because Ramdas was actually one of the spiritual teachers who incorporated that, like, you know, this is all part of the path of being a human being. We're not just meant to be here in any kind of spiritual bypass because otherwise we wouldn't have incarnated. So there's even this thing of let's, the ego isn't a bad thing. It's not a wrong thing. It's a teaching thing. It's, it's here to give us the, the contrast as Abraham Hicks would say of, of being able to learn the lesson. And I think because so much of his teachings were rooted in yoga and that was the background that I really fell in love with spirituality too, you know, the yogis really always talk about that property, the form that we are, the human, the ego that we are, is here in service of the soul, of the light, of the Purusha. And so if you think about that, then everything that happens, every person who breaks your heart, every um, job that you don't get, every thing that goes wrong is in service of your soul. That's the yogic teaching. And so if you can start to say, well, that doesn't make sense. How could it be possible that could be of service? Then you'll start to get to how it is of service. But it's about the awareness of asking the question as opposed to feeling victimized by the thing. And I think Ram Dass had a great way of integrating that, that he had so much light in him and so much love and he was so silly and playful. Like, you know, the picture of him I have on oh, my phone. Yeah. he's like sitting in lotus pose with like his tongue sticking out and his thumbs up and he looks so silly and adorable like he had so much childlike joy and authentic love flowing through his body and this is a man who suffered physically very very deeply towards the end of his life and was able to hold both. Oh, like the work that he did on his own stroke of like, just how you said, I love how you said asking the question of how is this here in service of my soul and how Ram Dass became a living example of that when he had a stroke and all of a sudden didn't have the same use of his body. Like talk about taking the teachings and putting them into action. Oh, um, all of a sudden now I'm bound to a wheelchair. How is this in service to my soul? How can I see this as grace? The way that he brought the questions to the actual property, to the human experience, and and modeled it. Yeah. That is like next level level. teachings. And the yogis talk about like from the inside out, like basically what we are. And there's kind of a energetic anatomy around what we are that Ram Dass was really, I think showing us with his life yeah. is that the the deepest thing inside of us is the soul and then the next thing is our bliss body and it's like our ability to like feel joy and love and all the things that's the closest thing to our soul we get in our human form and then as we continue to move out it's our values and preferences yeah. and as we continue to move out it's the mind and then it's the emotions and then it's the physiological body and then it's the physical body and we move from the subtle to the gross and what I saw in Ramdas is he had an internal soul transformation right that led him to experience this ananda this bliss this life that he couldn't have ever imagined with his guru and then everything else had to dismantle he had to dismantle his values his preferences then he had to drop the mind right and this whole thing of like the the freer I get the higher I go so then he dropped the mind then 
he had to drop like a lot of emotional stuff, right? Because like he was like fired from Harvard and like all, you know, all the things that happened in his life that had to cause him to keep going back to the soul and realizing that he wasn't the body. And then at the end of his life, he had to dismantle the physical body. So he really was the practice of, I just continue to surrender all of it until I get back to the essence that I am, which now he is again, you know? It's almost like we're preparing ourselves for transition our entire life as we continually allow ourselves to know ourselves as that energy. Mm. Should we do, oh, I love this quote. Inspiration is God making contact with itself. Oh, so good. I mean, that just is everything that I know to be true in my own experience of creativity, that God, cosmic consciousness, the force of all that is, is in communication with the human being, which is that same energy. And the inspiration is the communication between those two places. So that's like with bringing our talents to the world, what we're doing is bringing that cosmic intelligence, that divine energy into the world of form through the body human vessel. And so what I love about inspiration, it's like, ooh, the divine is talking to me. Cosmic consciousness is moving. That inspiration, that aliveness inside of my body is indication that source is moving. Mm. And so um, I love it. Think of like, we're just making contact with ourselves. That energy that is the energy of the universe that is in all things is moving. And that's like, you know, when you and I talk about you're not going to be given the idea without the resources to complete it. Mm. Yeah, because cosmic consciousness is trying to bring something to the planet. That's why it like knocked on your door. That's why it's trying to get your attention. It's trying to become itself through you. Mm. So it's not going to like try to wake you up and knock on your door and say, hey, let's do this party. If it's not also going to give you all the things to do it. It's like... I got this system all taken care of. I actually just want to delight you by showing you how powerful I am to give you this idea, to give you a vision, and then to show you along the path how I, I, and by the I, I mean the universal I, have set it up so that you can bring this into form. Man, yeah. It's like the universe doesn't play hard to get. No. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the game Uh -uh. we're playing. Yeah, and the yogis talk about that the mind has, like, functions. Like, there are things that the mind can do, and the least, the one that we use basically the least or sees the least important is imagination. And it feels like there's that place inside all of us where when we were kids, we loved to imagine. We had imaginary friends. We played. We, We, our mind was always creating things through imagination, and at some point, someone said, well, that's made up. That's not real. That doesn't have validity. That, that's not true. And so there's that idea that we say, okay, well, inspiration is just the fluffy thing. Inspiration is the not true thing. But what if it's the only, only true, true thing? thing. Yes. <laughs> you know? And I love when you said, um, you know, like the divine doesn't play hard to get. Like the only thing that the only one that plays hard to get is us yeah. when we put ourselves in separation from that energy I love we, that Michael Beckwith talks about the vibrational address yes like you ask for all the things you're sitting in your home and you're getting Amazon aka the universe to deliver like uh-huh. all the things and you put in your address and da 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 
and then you leave. Yes. You go into scarcity. You go into lack. You go into like you go somewhere else, and all the packages are there sitting at the door, and then you're somewhere else going, my things never showed up. It's like you are not at the vibrational address by which you ordered them from. They have already arrived. Like ask and it is given. <laughs> you just gotta stay at the address. <laughs> stay at the address, man. I want to get T-shirts made that say "Stay at the vibrational address." You've ordered it. Now you gotta make sure you're at the right address. Man, so great. Do you want to read the next one? Yeah. Um, oh, all spiritual practices are illusions created by illusionists to escape illusion. <laughs> So good. Yeah. All right. So let's just break this down. Okay. All spiritual practices. And he talked a lot about this in terms of he learned so many modalities in Eastern practices that caused him to feel free. But then he realized he had created a sense of dependence upon those modalities. Right. Like I'm not free without them. Right. But when freedom was what he is. Uh Right. So it's like, oh, why have I created conditions around my ability to feel free? So all spiritual practices are these illusions, these um, like these tricks, if you will that have been created by illusionists. So us that believe in the real and the not real, Uh the the form and the energy, right? To escape illusions. So we've created these kind of uh, lies that we live in. And then in order to get free from these lies, (laughs) we've created practices to get free from these lies that we ourselves have created. That's right. Right? So it's a really funny game we play with ourselves. I'm going to pretend that I'm not one with all that is. Uh And because I'm pretending I'm not one with all that is, now I need a practice, a Uh modality to To help me to to remember. (laughs) Yes. But I'm the one who set up the game to begin with. That's right. That's right. So we actually, I mean, I think about this all the time in a different frame of like, we we have this false sense of unworthiness and we're unconsciously living from a false sense of unworthiness. So how can I feel worthy? Well, Oh, if I went around the world and fixed a bunch of problems, then maybe I would feel like I have something to do and I matter and I'm worth something. Oh, okay. So I'll create a whole bunch of problems and then I'll spend my whole life fixing them. But then I'll also spend my whole life complaining that I have to fix problems because I know it's not what I'm here for. And my soul's getting so angry at me. But every time I stop fixing the problems, I start to feel that deep unworthiness. So then I have to go make more problems to fix. And so it's all a big game. And that's why I love doing the shadow work. Cause it's like, or what if we just sat and, uh, he has this other quote here that says the quieter you become, the more you hear. What if I just sat and said, talk to me unworthiness. Mm. What are you all about? Mm. And what if I really got that it was an illusion and I really could wrap compassion around the years I spent operating from an illusion and what if I just said okay I'm going to love that part of myself so hard and I'm going to be brave enough to not create another problem and then feel the discomfort and feel how unworthy it makes me feel and feel like am I allowed to take up space if I'm not here making the world Mm -hmm. better somehow and what if I just made my whole practice just sitting with the discomfort and loving myself through the discomfort yeah that's when the new freedom emerges. That's so wise and so well said, Nat. And one of the things uh, that Ram Dass said is that we're too attached to our unworthiness. Mm. 
It's like we have uh, imbibed it so much from the world, and then we hold on to it. Mm-hmm. And we so hold on to our stories of unworthiness because we're a little bit afraid of who we'd be without them. Yeah. And some of us have like never tried to really sit in the place where we can feel it to the place where it, we can see what is behind it. Mm-hmm. Like what is behind the story of unworthiness? And when you can like allow the tear of feeling your own unworthiness to just go all the way through your body, then you find that behind it all is just space. Yeah. Just space. Freedom. Nothing. Nothingness. Yeah. And that's that becoming nobody. Being willing to sit in the nothingness to see that we're not the story that feels so painful to us. And then so the pain itself can evaporate because we've given it a place to be. And one thing I've been really sitting with here in Bali this week is only an unworthy person feels the need to achieve something. Mm. And a worthy person only feels the need to just be. Yes. To just be something. To be the thing I was born as and get to know that thing and get to know what that thing wants to create and get to be interested. Oh, how cool that when we were on the airplane, Kristen wanted to watch this movie and I wanted to watch this movie. That's so cool. Part of myself is just revealing itself to me through my choices and I can just be curious about it and nothing's right or wrong and I don't have to do anything and I don't have to be anything more than I am. And if I can just be curious about the wealth of humanity that is already inside of me as opposed to trying to get somewhere or be someone or achieve something or make enough money or do something, then I have set myself free. And that thing that's inside of us already knows what it came to the planet to do. It, it, it's, it's like a kid who's like, come on, get out of my way. I know. I know who I am. I know what I'm here for. And I always attract everything I need for this thing that I came here to give and it's a gift Mm. like I came here to give a gift to the planet Mm. and not to get anything but because giving is the joy Mm. should we do one more? yes though I'm in love with all of them I know there's Um, so many okay I think this one is my favorite one will you read it? let's do your favorite The cosmic humor is that if you desire to move mountains and you continue to purify yourself, ultimately you will arrive at the place where you are able to move mountains. But in order to arrive at this position of power, you have to give up being he who wanted to move mountains so you can be he who put the mountains there in the first place. The humor is that finally, when you have the power to move the mountain, you are the person who placed it there, so the mountain stays. I mean, (laughs) come on! Ram Das, you bring me so much joy, I can't stand it. And he's like, that's the cosmic humor of it all. Well, the paradox, Right? right? That's something we've been talking about in Bali a lot, is... We want to label things as black and white. We want to put it in a box. We want to understand it. We want to say, okay, this goes here. This person goes here. This is who this person is. And now I feel safe because I have everything where it's meant to be. And the big giant paradox is, oh, how cute of you that you keep moving around all this form. Like you invented this whole game and the game's causing you suffering. Yeah. And the real thing is, why did I want to invent this game? Yes. And... Oh, I put the mountain there. Yeah. Oh, 
So these obstacles in my life, these things that look like problems, I actually am the one who created that. Oh, and there's the, there's something in me that created it on purpose. Yeah. So when I can sit in the silence and dismantle why I, in my infinite intelligence, created this thing, then I see what it's here, why my soul desired this thing so that I could know myself for who I really am. And so then I'm no longer the person who's trying to get rid of the obstacle. I realize the obstacle itself is the gift. Like you and I have been talking about like the wax is the thing that has to burn, right? And I keep thinking if we didn't have the mountain, if we didn't have the wax, we'd have nothing to do. We'd have nothing to do. Why would we have incarnated? Right. It's here so that we can know ourselves. It's just the labeling of it as an obstacle that becomes the problem. Right. I mean, you could also call it a good time. Yeah. You could also call it as a way to channel my energy. Yeah. You can also... Think of it as, this is the conversation I'm having right now with the deepest part of me so that I might know and have intimacy and oneness with the deepest part of me. You might call it the mirror, the Mm. thing that came to show me who I really am by showing me what I'm not. That's it. And so it's through that contrast or through that... that thing that we're playing with. It's like, it's almost in a way like, I love how he calls it the cosmic humor because to me it does feel like this cosmic play that we've created so that we can know ourselves as divine beings. And when we bring that sense of lightness to it, then how we interact with it all changes. And I think that when it stops becoming something that we need to prove our worthiness Uh and it starts becoming something that we love because it's fun. Yes. Then life changes like I create a mountain so I can say and show the world that I'm someone who moved a mountain so I can feel good about myself (laughs) versus I can move mountains oh I can't wait to play the game of all the things I get to do in order to become the person who moves the mountain and then oh at the end of the game I'm like I didn't even have to move it in the first place but I learned so much about myself and that was so fun that was so fun same action same person different intention different intention right and coming back to the place of the intention which I feel like brings us all the way back around to Ram Dass's seminal teaching of be here now mm-hmm. we're not in a hurry to move the mountain because we realize we placed it there so now we can just be here mm-hmm. be all the way here be okay with being here have peace with being here we're not running around trying to prove our worthiness we know our inherent worthiness and so we just get the bliss of this present moment that's it yeah man Ram Dass thank you Ram Dass wherever you are floating on whatever cloud you are (laughs) whatever adventure you're on now whatever pair of shoes you find yourself in thank you It's, it's an amazing gift that we've been given and in the same way Ram Dass and his musings and his thoughts and his life and his feelings and everything that he was in becoming nobody has given us such a tremendous gift on the planet every single person listening right now is also that same divine, perfect, miraculous, incredible gift. 
and is here to play their own beautiful game that is here to offer the world so much wisdom and hope and strength and possibility that wouldn't be here if you weren't here incarnated on this planet. So I would love to encourage everyone listening to pick up one of Ram Dass's teachings for this new year and see which one jives with you, but really get yourself into the deep practice of knowing that you're already it, you're already enough, there's nothing to prove, you can be here now, and that you get to play the game however you want to play it. Mm, that's so great. And I do feel like we are constantly being led, that the right teacher always shows up to us exactly at the right time. So if any of this turns you on, um, I also like to say Ramdas's voice and his uh, sense of humor. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. In my ears is so delightful. So if that turns you on, awesome. And also know that life itself is always communicating with you, always teaching you. You're always being guided to exactly the next right thing that is perfect for you. And how cool that you are so loved that you always have the next right step right there for you. You get to be in grace, you get to be in your joy, you get to be in love, and you also get to be in all of your humanness, and every bit of it is perfect. Thank you so much for listening. We love to feel like we have friends all over the world in you who are committed to doing their dream on the planet. And if you like this podcast and you want to find out more about what we're doing or who we are, our pop-up classes, our online classes, you can check all of that out at thecreateseries.com. And if you want to be part of our Facebook community, you can go to the Create Community page. That's C, period, R, period, E, period, A, period, T, period, E, period, community. And if you loved this podcast, why not share it with a friend? 